Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Here in John chapter 4, verse 1, reading out of the New King James, uh, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. This year, how many of you know, you're going to need to go through some stuff. Now, Samaria was not a place that Jesus would normally venture and normally go. Samaria was not a place that was welcoming for Jesus and his people, the Jews, uh, they, they, you know, did not get along very well, Samaritans and the Jewish culture. And so, uh, the, the, the fact that that statement is even there, Jesus needed to go through. There's things that you need to go through. You need to go through. You need to go through. And I'll tell you, most of the time, the things that we go through is not even about us, but it's about the people will impact and influence. So I know a lot of times we end up in scenarios that we think are objectionable. We think that they're contrary. We think they're conflicting. And we have this concept or idea in our mind, oh, I must be out of the will of God if this challenge is arising. I must be in the wrong place at the wrong time if this is coming against me. We just automatically think, red flag, this is an indicator, I blew it. I must have missed God because if I was following God, it would be roses and cherries, right? If I was following God, everything would fall in my lap. If, it was, if I was following God, the favor of the Lord. You know, sometimes you need the favor to get through stuff, not around stuff. Now, God will lead you around some things. He tried to lead uh, uh, that, that ship in Acts chapter 27 that Paul was going on. He tried to lead them around it. They wouldn't listen when Paul spoke up and said, guys, there's a bad storm coming. It's, it's going to cost us our lives. It's going to cost us the ship. We need to hold off. They didn't listen. And God was able to get them through it, thankfully. But there's times where God needs you to go through some stuff. I didn't say God brought the stuff. But God needs you to go through the stuff. So this is where we've got to have discernment. This is where we've got to be able to recognize, Lord, is this you? That, that, I, that If I blew it somewhere, I, I am asking you for your forgiveness. I want to walk in your righteousness. I want to correct whatever's wrong. But if not, if you get a green light that says you are right where I need you to be, then you stick with that, regardless of what the scenario looks like, regardless of what the challenge looks like. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied. How many of you know Jesus got tired? Jesus was man, just like you and I. He was 100% God and 100% man. And Jesus got weary from this journey. He's only interested in getting food and water. He needs to be refreshed. He needs a time of refreshing himself. Yeah, you know, when Jesus uh, went 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit led him there after he was baptized of John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then the first thing the Holy Spirit led him to do was what? Go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. See, once again, we think that's an indication I'm not doing what God told me to do. And I love what Pastor Darrell pulled out when uh, You know, he mentioned this, that, you know, you think if you prayed and fasted for 40 days, God would show up. The first, the first thing that, that he sees after 40 days of fasting, it was the devil. Then the devil shows up and says, hey, you look hungry. Want me to turn those stones into bread? The the devil knows your weakness and he'll, he will pinpoint what's going to hit home for you right there. You hungry? We'll turn some stones into bread. But Jesus, thankfully, was able to respond by the spirit inside in alignment with his father rather than out of his fleshly desires. Amen. But after he was tempted those three times, it says that uh, he he rebuked the devil, commanded him to flee, and the devil left him. And then ministering uh, angels came and ministered to him. 
times of refreshing. Even Jesus needed moments. He couldn't just bounce from one. There were times that he was up on a mountainside praying, just him and God. There were times where he was getting alone, separating from the crowd, but also separating even from his own. What does separation look like for you? Do we have those moments of separation? Yeah, I know for me, I'm a busybody, you know? And if I'm not careful, I can get defined by my work and I can get defined by my work ethic. You, tell, you can ask my wife, she'll tell you. It takes me two or three days of a vacation just to unwind and get into vacation mode. I have to factor that in when we go on a trip. I have to factor in at least 48 hours of that unwinding process. And then I have to be intentional, leaving things at home. Can't bring a computer because I'll be on it. Disconnect from the phone. Let my leaders know, hey, we're going to be gone if you need me, unless somebody's, you know, dying or, or you know, something along those lines, you know, reach out to so-and-so. You got to be intentional about separating because God needs you with him just as much as you need to be with God. See, prayer for Jesus and these times of separation were not just about uh, uh, telling God all his problems. No, Jesus was trying to get in alignment with the Father. In alignment with the Father. And, and, and this is why fasting is so important, is because the greater the challenge ahead, the more you need to be in alignment with the Father. The more in tune I need to be with his Spirit. That's why I tell people all the time, you know, uh, you know, if you're up against a, a strong challenge, should I leave this? Should I go to this? Should I change this? Fast. That means disconnect, separate, be intentional. Because you know who knows what you need to do next? The Holy Spirit. He's the smartest person on the planet, and he wants you to know. But, you know, what I love about the Holy Spirit is he's a gentleman. He's not going to shout over all our stuff. He just won't. Hey, over here. He's just going to sit there and say, that still small voice, hey, you ready? You want to hear from me? I know what to do here. But when we get off Facebook and disconnect from the TV and disconnect from asking everybody else, you know, the Holy Spirit a lot of times is the last resort rather than the first priority. Let's go to the Holy Spirit. Jesus would go to the Father. Jesus said, I need to know how, how to deal with these people, how to work with these people, how to minister to these people the way you want them to. I need to be led by your agenda, not my agenda. And so we need those times of separation. So even Jesus needed times of refreshing. And so he's at this well. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So this woman of the city comes to him, or comes to this well out of her habit. This is what she was used to. I need water. I come to the well to get water. And Jesus kind of interrupts and says, hey, you know, while you're drawing water, draw me some water. Give me something to drink. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So not only do Jews not have dealings with Samaritans, but women didn't have these types of interactions with men. So it's double whammy. So she's extremely surprised that she's even being asked of this. She's extremely surprised that this individual is asking her to give him a drink. And so, you know, now she's like, what are, I mean, what, what's even happening here? Where, where do we go from here? But look at Jesus' response in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, what kind of response is that? You must think really highly of yourself to call yourself a gift of God. A gift of God. If you only knew what was right in front of you. And this is the thing. I, you know, I, I've noticed, and even in my life, at, you know, the older I've gotten, 
the more aged I've become, the more, um, you know, mature, I guess. One thing I've recognized is that we are really good at accumulating things that will refresh us or try to refresh us. Like we're all searching for that. We're all searching for what is going to satisfy, what is going to strengthen, what is going to build up, what is going to give me value, what is going to help me reveal my worth, what is going to help me uh, uh, accomplish the next task. And so, and this is the thing, you know where to go to get that. We all go to different places for that kind of stuff. Some of us, it's our work. Some of us, it's family. Some of us, it's friends. Some of us, it's social media. Some of us, it's schooling. We all have something that we go to in this chasing of refreshing. We all have something that we know. Look, and all we need is a fix. That's all we need. We don't need anything super long lasting. We're just looking for something that will, uh, uh, you know, solve my struggle right now. It could be spending. It could be eating. It could be drugs. It could be sex. It could be anything. It, It could be things. I'll tell you right now, most of us have accumulated these types of fixes that wouldn't be called necessarily sins. They wouldn't even look. Some of us actually have some fixes that look honorable. Like working a lot. Oh man, he's such a hard worker. Oh man, he's, you know, know, just this past weekend, obviously everybody got shook by the news of Kobe Bryant. And one of the things that everybody that I've heard speak about him, whether they knew him from afar or knew him up close, is how hard of a worker he was, his work ethic, the mamba mentality, the, the, the not give up. But it wasn't until just recently, three or four years, that he realized the value of his family. The value of what was really important. The things that got pushed aside because I was chasing this. And man, it looks good on the outside, but on the inside, I have to keep coming back for more. On the inside, I have to keep it's, it's not fully satisfying. The championships and the rings and the prominence and the status, it's not. But now he's, you know, thankfully towards the end of his life, he began to realize what was really important and began to put his investment there. And this is the thing, whatever you feel fills that void, you give priority to. It's not an afterthought. It's not an afterthought. It's at the front of your mind and you're doing everything to chase it. And for everybody, that's different. For everybody, that's different. And Jesus is about to reveal to this woman that there's some place you can go and you can get that fulfillment and it will never run dry. Because see, you come to this well out of habit. You come to this well because you ran out of something. The reason why you're here is because you have no more. So you have to keep coming and chasing and when it runs dry. And so rather than uh, uh, the the well being a resource, it has become the source. And man, that's dangerous. When something that was designed to be a resource becomes a source in your life. And when we get that backwards then it, it yields results in our lives where we chase the wrong things and we go after the wrong things. And, and, and now we're making a priority of things that should not be a priority. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. He says that in a response to the fact that the world, the Gentiles, are seeking after what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? All the natural cares of life. And so he gives a response and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's important. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? His rule or his way of doing things. That's what that means. Seek first God's way of doing things. And his righteousness, being in alignment with him, 
And what? And all these things, all the resources will come finding you. So when we have source and resource backwards, then we chase the wrong thing. Therefore, the thing that should be chasing us can't find us. The resource should be coming and finding me, but I'm off running around trying to find it. I'm trying to find out how I'm gonna make the next day or where I'm gonna get this or where I'm gonna get that. But God's trying to say, you can find all that in me and then I'll make sure all that finds you. You see how we can get this backwards. We can get this twisted if we're not careful. And so Jesus Obviously, needing a refreshing, simply ask for a drink. The woman says, how is it that you, being a Jew, so she judges him. But, I mean, this is racism right here is what we're reading. I mean, that's what, that's, that's what this is. This didn't just show up in the 1800s or in the United States of America or in the 1960s or even now. This, this has been going on. She, it, it, she is pre-judging him based upon his nationality, based upon his color, based upon he's a guy. I mean, you got all of it right here. So she is judging him based upon how is it that you, a Jew, is asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink because Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered, answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now the conversation goes a little bit further. Because, see, this is the thing is your your expectation changes your response. Your expectation changes your response. Your expectation of something. When you See, if you don't know what's right in front of you, Jesus is pointing out that what I have and who I am is not just on the surface for everybody to get. You're gonna have to dig a little deeper. You're gonna have to go a little further. I wonder how many gifts of God you get in contact with on a daily basis and you don't even know it. You probably complain about it, actually. You probably honk your horn at it. You probably complain about them in the checkout lane because they're pouring out coins and you're thinking we've got credit cards that take care of this in a snap. You're still writing checks. What are you doing over here? And so what is it? What's he saying? The gift of God could be right in front of you. But we miss it because it's wrapped in a different skin color or it's younger than us or it's poorer than us or it doesn't look like it's as able as we are or it doesn't seem as capable uh, as they ought to be or they have a bad attitude or whatever you want to wrap it around. But there's a gift of God on the inside. On the inside takes a little bit more digging. Got to go a little bit deeper. So this Samaritan woman is pre-judging, that's prejudice, pre-judging Jesus. And he says, if you only knew the gift of God, if you only knew what was on the inside, if you, would, if you could just see past the outer shell, if you could just see past the attitude, if you could just see past the hurt, if you could just see past the pain. I wonder how many situations we come into contact with that are a gift of God. Not that he gives it, but that there's something he's trying to do through it. That's what Joseph saw. Yeah, my brothers tried to throw me in a pit. Yeah, they wanted to have me killed. They sold me into slavery. I was accused of wrongdoing. But now I've recognized after I unpackaged it and after all the layers came off that God was working for my good. That he'll turn it around. He'll turn it. I said he'll turn it around. But maybe you've got to unwrap the thing. Maybe you've got to peel back some layers. Maybe you've got to give some more thought and attention to it rather than just rejecting it and put, oh, I can't, I don't want this. I don't want to deal with this. And maybe God's saying that there's something inside I have for you. There's a gift of God. There's a gift of God. I'm not just the Jew, if you can receive that. I'm not just the man. 
if you can receive that. I'm actually here as a gift to you. And he's weary and thirsty. Asking a woman to give him a drink. He didn't, his words to her were not, how can I minister to you today? Can I pray with you today? But he wasn't even looking for that. He's thirsty. They're in town hitting up Chick-fil-A. The disciples ran into town to get him food. He's sitting by the well. Oh, good. Finally, someone showed up. I don't have anything to draw with. I need her to get me some water. Can you get me some water? He's not, he's not looking to minister to her. He's not looking to, to, to meet her needs. Can I pray with you about anything? And he still says, if you only knew the gift of God. Amen. If you only knew the gift of God that was right in front of you. So expectation is huge because if she would have recognized that, she would have been able to have a different expectation, which would then change her response. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Now that's interesting because she immediately skips over the whole gift of God portion. She skips right over the fact that he mentioned living water Not just any kind of water, but living water. And she jumps right to what he doesn't have. Isn't that just like the world? To highlight your limitation or your deficiency. I just told you I'm a gift of God. I just told you I have living water. I just, I I know what you're here for. And you want to highlight the one thing I don't have. Oh, man. That's what they'll do. They'll tell you the degrees that you don't have. They'll tell you the money that you don't have. They'll tell you the prominence you don't have. They'll tell you the ability you don't have. And God is picking you for what he's placed inside of you. And it might not be seen on the outside, but you can't allow people to define who God has already created you to be. Your destiny has already been defined. Your purpose has already been chosen. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a child of God. You are greatness. And you can't allow what you don't have to define who you are. But the first thing she highlights is, yeah, but how are you going to get it? <laughs> Gift of God, okay. How are you going to get it? And this is the thing. Where you draw from determines what you draw with. Where you draw from determines what you need to draw it with. See, when when you know where to get what you need, you're going to draw with different things than the world is. Come on, stay with me. The world knows how to draw finance. The world knows how to draw people. The world knows how to draw love. The world has come up with ways to draw peace. The world has come up with ways to draw self-worth. This is how they pull it in. And then we show up, the kingdom of God, his people, and we show up getting love from a different source meaning that we draw it different than other people. I don't have to get my love from how somebody else treats me because I have the love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I don't have to, you know, we used to sing that song growing up. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. So the world knows how, I mean, they, they will. And again, it's just a short little fix. It doesn't solve the problem. But they know where to go and chase after things. And then they have ways to draw it in. And then they'll tell you, the kingdom, church, believers, how to draw it. Let me tell you how I get my peace. I remember I worked at a bank before I got into ministry. I mean, I was in ministry, but I was bivocational. So I was working outside the church down in St. Augustine, Florida. I worked for a bank from 2004 to 2009. Those were rough years to be working at a bank, if you recall, especially 2008. 2008 was the bottom dropping out. 
But even years leading up to that, smart people could see this ain't a good plan. We're giving people that have no credit history or bad credit history a loan with (laughs) low interest and no proof that they can pay it back. And when they can't pay it back, we get stuck with it. And that's exactly what happened. Caused our entire economy to just tank. Well, I was in the banking industry at that time. It hit home quick. Where, I mean, I'm talking on a daily basis. People are talking about, are we getting bought out? Are we getting sold? Are they closing us? Is this branch closing? They got to lay off that many people. And you're just going through like, And the pressure's on you to bring in certain accounts and open certain things and do certain things. I mean, I was right in the midst of that. I mean, I was, the the vehicles are lining up in the parking lot of everyone. uh, Somebody even either got their car repossessed or they dropped it off and said, I can't pay for it, you keep it. I'm just literally outside the window that I worked at. So the pressure was on real quick and just the anxiety and the heaviness that you could just feel in the office every day of, are we losing our job? I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And they, they, they would get mad at me because I wasn't freaking out like them. I would say things like, they could take my job away tomorrow. I'll be taken care of. What do you mean? You, you, got, you, you got a savings? You got, no. I've got God. He's my source. This job is, just happens to mean the channel or the avenue through which God is meeting my needs. But if that's removed, he'll come up with another source. He'll give me another channel. He'll give me another. It might be people. It might be something that he, a, a thought or idea he gives me. It might be another door. Favor will go before me. And I had to speak those things. Because sure, it would have been easy to get caught up in the anxiety and the weight and the pressure. But man, the world will get mad when they see you drawing in what they're looking for with a different source. Or from a different source, but using something different. So she's saying, where are you going to get, okay, where are you going to get this living water and how are you going to draw it? How are you going to get it? And so they'll want to limit you. You can't get love until you do this. You can't get peace until you do that. You can't get finance in your life. I tell you what, God will call you to do some crazy things and you're going to have to learn to go to a different source and you're going to have to learn to draw with something different than what everybody else, and you're going to have to go against the flow. This is what you got to do. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water. So now she's kind of putting it together. Wait a minute. This well is deep. You don't have anything to draw with. Where did you say you're getting this water from? And she's figuring it out. You must be going somewhere else. You must be talking about a different water. Now remember, Jesus showed up with the need to get water from her. Would you please? But he quickly switched over and said, wait a minute. We got to get beyond just natural water. You need some living water. And so now she's intrigued. Where then do you get this living water? Or maybe she's asking it sarcastically. So where do you even get this living water? I don't know. It doesn't give us tone. Don't text me because I can't can't get your tone. Don't text me in that tone of voice. But look at verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? I mean, she's she's identifying, she's, she's devaluing what Jesus brings. She's devaluing who Jesus is. She, she's, she's cutting down what Jesus can even do in this scenario. Verse 13, Jesus, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him, not only will you never thirst, but it will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What's he saying? I'm actually going to take you deeper. Not only will you be satisfied, but you'll become a fountain for other people to come and get a drink from. He's, he's, he just went ahead and took it beyond just trying to get your need met. He's trying to help her see you will be a flow of living water that others can come to. It's not just about you. It's not just about meeting your needs. What if you, what if God could turn our perspective from always running around chasing where we're getting sustenance and he could make you a supplier of sustenance to others? Can you think that big? Can you dream that big? Can you wrap your mind around that? I mean, most people only live their lives day to day trying to get their own needs met, to be taken care of. And so, again, we spend our lives accumulating things that meet those needs in our lives. And we know where to go to get them. But what if we began to think beyond ourselves? And what if we began to think bigger than just what I need to do what God's called me to do? And I started saying, how could I help so-and-so get life? How could I help so-and-so be refreshed? See, when I come out of a time of refreshing and when I come out of a time of of being ministered to, I should be prepared to minister to others. I should have a different mindset that says, I've got to give this away. I've got to help somebody else get this. But see, you can't do that. You can't do that if you're running to the wrong source. You can't help somebody else if you aren't even able to meet your own needs. Where you're deficient, nobody can come to you. This is why God wants us prosperous. I believe that. I believe that. I believe God wants us prosperous. I believe God wants us whole in every area of our lives, financially, spiritually, physically, Mentally and socially, five different areas that I believe the word of God shows us he wants us whole. That means he doesn't want us deficient in those areas. He doesn't want us deficient because any area I'm deficient in, I can't help somebody else. If I'm battling in my own mind mentally, anxiousness and worry and, and, and self-worth, how am I going to help somebody else with that? I can't give away what I don't have. If, if, if I'm suffering financially, I can't help somebody else meet a need. I believe God wants his people in a position to where we don't even have to consult things. We can just hear from the spirit of God and respond and obey. Yeah, that's another way of living. But again, if we're only living to meet our own needs, to make sure we're taken care of, then that type of thinking and that type of mentality doesn't even come in. But I want to live whole. I want to live prosperous so that I can help others. He says, I will give him water. You'll never thirst. It'll be a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, watch this, nor come here to draw. She wasn't just tired of becoming thirsty again and again and again. She was getting tired of having to come to the well to even draw it. She had developed such a habit and such a pattern in her life that was 
so unhealthy. Because see, I'll tell you right now, even though you like what it provides to you, you hate doing it. You may like the fix that it gives you in the short term, but you hate the fact that you even have to go to that thing to get it. And when you, when you fall in love with the pattern and when you fall in love with the habit, that, that's when you know you've really gone too far. And some people do. Some people become so familiar with the pattern and having to chase this and chase, that they actually love it. But most people that I've come into contact with, even unbelievers, hate doing what they do to get the fixes that they feel they need. Whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's work. I hate, I hate the fact that I have to put so much time into it. I hate that it pulls me away from my family pornography, whatever it is. Most of the time, there's something innate on the inside that says, this is wearing me out and I'm tired of having to go through this routine. But you like the results so much that you keep doing something you hate to get something you like. You'll repeat unhealthy habits just to stay in a fixed state. I mean, I've heard people say that, Now, with social media, getting likes on a post or seeing the number of the little hearts go up next to a post, I'm serious now, releases the same endorphins that you get when you do drugs. It literally does the same thing in your mind of, oh man, there's another one. Oh, got another one. And it literally releases the same mental toxins that drugs would do to you physically. People literally get addicted to likes. People literally, that's like taking another hit. I'm dead serious. This is real life. 2020, here we are. Everybody's got a well that they run to. Everybody's got a well that they run to. Develop unhealthy habits and unhealthy patterns. They give you something in the short term. And Jesus is about to, I mean, look, if somebody came up to you today and said, I can fix your fix, (laughs) how many of us would go after that? You mean you could tell me you can get me the same results, but I don't have to go through the same habits? You mean to tell me that I can get the same feelings or even better, but I don't have to do the things that were so unhealthy and do the things that were so harmful to my life before. Yeah, sign me up. And that's what she's saying. You mean to tell me you can give me water that I'll never thirst again, nor will I ever have to come back to this well again? Because I would love to not have to come back here and the work it takes to get back out here and to draw the water and to take it all the way back. And then when I run dry, got to go back out to the well again. You're telling me that you can help me even alleviate the process of getting life. Why are we doing it? Why are we going through those habits? And we, as soon as we finish doing it, we say, I'm tired of this. I'm never doing it again. And then we end up right back on the, what I like to call the hamster wheel. We're just on hamster wheels, just cycling around. I don't know how many times I've, I've had that conversation with people. It's a hamster wheel. People need to be set free from the cycle. People need to be set free from themselves. You thought you need to be set free from the devil. You thought you need to be set free from your boss. You thought you need to be set free from this and that. So we need to be set free from ourselves. We need to be set free from the cycles that we put ourselves through. She's saying, I don't want to thirst and I don't want to draw. I don't want to come here and draw anymore. So verse 16, this is interesting. Jesus said to her, so now she's revealed, okay, you're telling me you can solve my fix and I don't have to continue this pattern 
anymore. Tell me where I get it. And this is what Jesus responds with. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. That's just the half truth. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Now, you don't want to hear that from someone that you just gave a half truth and then find out they know the whole truth. That's the worst feeling in the world. I'll tell you just a little bit to feel like I'm being honest with you and then find out they already know everything. I was like, I should have just told you from the beginning. (laughs) Right? That's the first thing you think. I should have just. You've well said you have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. So now we find out what well she's really been going to. Because see, there's always a well within the well. (laughs) Come on now. There's the well that everybody sees you go to, and then there's there's the well that just never quite satisfies. Now we're seeing the cycle because we have a prophet. She didn't know she was talking to a prophet. He tried to tell her, I'm a gift of God. (laughs) I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to help you out. I'm a gift of God, and I've got living water. But you weren't, you weren't that, uh, you know, perceptive to begin with. So let me just tell you, I know that you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one you're with now, you're not married to. And this is the thing. She asked for what Jesus had. And Jesus responds with what she already has. And I, this, came, this thought came to me a while back, and I, I wrote it down, actually. When you ask God for more of something, don't be surprised when he responds with what you need to let go of. (laughs) Because that, a lot of times, will be the first thing he comes back with. Because, see, we think we want more. I want more of you, God. I want more of this. I want more of your love. And then he's saying, I would love to give it to you. But I can't squeeze it in with all the stuff that you're already occupied with. So until you're able to let go of this, I can't give you that. Are you hearing me? And you thought you wanted it until he identified what you needed to let go of. And now you have to weigh the, 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 the challenge in your mind of what, uh, do I want that? Is my, is my value for that greater than my value for this? Because, yeah, you got your cycles. We've got our wheels, we've got our patterns and our habits, but look, going to a different well or going to a different source means that you are not just letting go of the old source, but you're also letting go of the pattern that took you to that source. I mean, she's about to venture out into unfamiliar territory. One of my favorite books, I've told y'all a million times. One of my favorite books is a book by Miles Monroe, The Burden of Freedom. The Burden of Freedom. And he talks about how people actually learn to love slavery more than they love freedom. And I mean, we see this in our lives. We, we see this in our world today, that people actually grow to love the system they get stuck in because they at least know what's coming next. I recently caught this show. Uh, I, I haven't watched too much of it, but it's a show called 60 Days In where they send in, I think it was like six or seven, just regular civilians, regular people, into a jail cell for 60 days. They give up their freedoms. They give up their liberties. None of the other inmates know. None of the uh, corrections officers. Nobody knows except for like the sheriff and one other person. That, And they send them in there and they see what 
jail life is like. And it's amazing the cycle. Some of these guys continue. They'll get out and go right back, get out and go right back because they, they become comfortable with slavery. It's amazing the things that the enemy will get you comfortable with. That's why I try to help us understand that discomfort does not automatically mean that you are out of the will of God. It's comfortable inside the boat. But when he calls you to walk on water, come on now. He's calling you to the promised land, but you want to go back to Egypt. Why? Because in Egypt, I knew where I was getting three square meals a day. I had a roof over my head. I was taken care of. And then you start to weigh the, co- the cons against the pros, and now the cons outweigh the pros. Now you start saying, I would accept all this bad stuff as long as I have this stuff. Yeah, freedom is scary. Freedom means she has to stop going to certain wells. Freedom means that you have to change what you draw with. Freedom means that life is a little more uncertain because now you're living by faith and not by sight. For we walk by faith and not by, oh man, we love that verse. Oh, I don't walk by, I'm not moved by what I see. But some of us have grown accustomed to being moved by what we see. Some of us enjoy what we see. Some of us enjoy knowing what's around the corner. Some of us know, uh, enjoy knowing what's up ahead. Some of us uh, uh, desire the, the comfort of slavery over the burden of freedom. And so she's asking for more, and Jesus says, let this go. You have well said, you have no husband. You have had five, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Look at verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) She finally gets it. Wait a minute. You know my stuff. You're up in my business now. I perceive that you are a prophet. Yeah, I bet you do. (laughs) Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to, uh, said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So she went from a person that was drawing water to someone that was giving away water. Jesus turned her into something that was dry and barren, and thirsty, and was always chasing after what she needed. And immediately, she becomes a witness for the Messiah, the Christ. I can only imagine what the town thought when she came running out. Guys, I've met a man. Oh, I bet you have. Oh, what is that, number seven now? (laughs) But God turned her life in a moment. She went from having to draw to now being a fountain of life that could give away to others. What could God do with our freedom? What could God do if we could 
Let him set us free. Set us free from having to draw and set us free from the cycles we get stuck in and set us free from the sources we run to. Man, I'll tell you what, the enemy will do anything he can to make you comfortable. Can I get you some more? Can, can I get you another drink? Can I get you a blanket? Are you tired? Can I get you a pillow? Can I do anything for He sure will. He will wait on you hand and foot to make sure you stay stuck where you're at. It's the Holy Spirit that will say, come on, you got more. You need this. You need that. Let me refresh you. Let me encourage you because there's more to do. There's difference. There's a difference. There's a word in the church that the church has grown accustomed to not liking. It's called conviction. Because we've confused conviction with condemnation. But conviction is there to stir you up and say, man, you got this. I'll, I put it this way. Conviction always points to your future. Condemnation always points to your past. Conviction says, you can do this. Condemnation says, you've done this. You've been this. Oh, but the Holy Spirit, he'll speak up and he'll say, we got this. If you'll let this go, there's so much more. I've got water, you'll never thirst again. You won't have to worry about what you're gonna draw with and where you're gonna draw it from. And you will actually become a fountain of life that will flow out. See, a well, people have to come, but a fountain gives it away. What if we could send fountains out tomorrow in the workplace, in the home? in your community. Yeah, that's what God wants. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.